Thank you, Father. Hear the interpretation. Thank you. Shatatalia, Pafetelia, Seco, Sepania, La Feriata, Prohose, Fefalai, Kamei, Sepania, Felegalabaita, Valamai, Kania, Feha, Fenana, Fenia, Fafania, Falafalamafan, Ella Falafan, Falfan, Ella Manafan, Mana, Ella Macania, Falamonia, Cartelina, Manicalia, Masapania, Palia, Cartavania, Fafania, Ella Mara Coleman, Ella Fanta Coleman, Ella Mast Coleman, Ella Prant, Ella Macaulin to man, my calling for man, my calling, my calling, my calling, my calling for man. It is to be Berta, it is to be Berta, to be Berta, to be Berta. For I am the father of spirit. I am the father of spirit. And I've come to birth spirit. For this is the calling of man. This is the calling of man. Man this calling. Stay in the part of this calling. Stay in the part of the birthing of man. For it is the part of the spirit. It is the part of the spirit. It is my way of birthing. For I birth not by blood, not by flesh, but by my will. By my will, I am opening my will. I am opening my will. For this is the Father's heart. It is the part of chastening that the Father chastised the Son. So be subject to the call. Be subject to the call of the Father. Be subject. Be subject to the call of the Father. Be subject. Stay in the part. Stay in the part. Stay in the part. Stay fixed. 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 And gazing. Gazing. Gazing on the father of spirits that would birth spirit. This is the call of man that you be birth spirit. For I come with a wind. I come with a wind. For I see false foundations have been laid. I see false foundations for I have said no other foundation can be laid than that which is Christ. So I come with my wind to take away foundations and to lay my foundation that I will birth you. For this is the part. This is the part of birthing. It is by chastening. I come. I come as a father. I come as a father. And I look to you that you stay in the part of Burton. Be birthed by me. For I am the father of spirit. And I birth spirit. I want to birth man's spirit. I want to make man's spirit. I want to make man like me. I want to make you like me. I have to birth you. For this is the true birth. It is the true birth. Says the spirit of the Lord.
Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, let's see quickly. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 6, Hebrews 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Praise God. And if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we give them reverence. Shall we not much more, much rather be in subjection unto the the father of what? Of spirit. <laughs> and leave, praise God. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be what? We might become partakers of what? His holiness. Now no chastening for the present Seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the word, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto who them which are what which are exercised thereby. Praise God. Um, verse nine said that furthermore we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits? In subjection. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love that. In subjection. In subjection unto the Father of spirits and what? Leave. So it's clear that life comes from being subject to the word, to the father of spirits. Life comes by what? Being subject to the father of spirits. So um, the life is clear that the life which you come into by this subjection is a life that is a product of this specific fatherhood. Praise God. Hallelujah. This thing is something noise I'm hearing. Amen. It comes from this fatherhood. So, so when you say the father of spirits, thank you so much. Praise God. The father of spirits um, is, is fatherhood. This fatherhood means so many things. Right? You know, when you think of a father, a father is involved in the the origin the origin the bringing forth initially but 
real fatherhood, to be honest, does not really, doesn't really begin at birth per se, right? The actual birthing process, even though it's his seed that's being born, but when it comes to giving birth, right, what they call fatherhood does not really manifest. It's more of the mother's own thing, giving birth, nurturing the baby, right? Uh, although the father is there overseeing things, but it's really there is a, that motherly touch. Um, to be honest, there's not much the father can do at that early phase, right? Uh, the father just has to be there, give moral support and all. He's waiting for the time when his own input will begin to be needed in the life of that child. Praise God. Uh, so, but, so it's clear that the father, when it comes to direct input of fatherhood, is for training. For training for what? Development. For training for who? For development. So, if this father, amen, amen, is a father of spirit. It means that those who he will begin to father must have become spirit at, a, at some kind of level. Do you get that? They must have become what? Spirit at, at least at some level is the father. The word father of spirit means the the, you can call it the raise our spirit, you can call it the quicken our spirit, the, all those things that Jesus described about the Father. He said that the, as the Father raised up the dead and quickened them, so as he also done what? Giving to the Son to do what? To, to quicken whomsoever he wills. Now, it's very clear that if we, let's see that book of John, praise God. John chapter 5, thank you, Jesus. John 5, verse 20, is it 21? John 5, 21. Yeah, I said that... Um, for as the father raised up the, the dead and what? He quickened them. Even so does the, the son quicken whom he will. Now, of course, what he's saying, this operation which the father does, which the son will begin to do, the son will not just begin to do it. It's verse 21. It's after 20. So, you can't just read verse 21. You have to flow with the thought. Okay, let's read actually from verse 19. Then you understand the context. Amen. He says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, That verily, verily, I say unto you, that the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Lord, the Son likewise, for the Father loveth the Son, and then he showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him what 
greater works than these that you marvel. So you, it's very clear to see that when they're speaking about son here, that the son here who is doing this thing is a son who, who was also a father. Right? It's not, Jesus was a son at different levels, right? He was first an initial son who came into the hand of his father for training. Praise God. But it's clear that the first time, the first, Jesus at the immediate stature of sonship, the first stature of sonship which Jesus received, Jesus couldn't do this thing that he was saying. Rather, he came into this place by coming a lot of time of observing, observing the Father. Right? Do you see that? Of what Jesus calls it seeing, verse 19. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he does, what he seeth the Father do. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, um, the context of this conversation was a query which these Jews raised to him. You know, Jesus was saying in verse 17 that Jesus answered them, saying, My father walketh hitherto, and I walk. So he was speaking about the work which his father is doing, which he is also what doing. And therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but he said that God was his father, making himself what? Equal with God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I say unto you, the son can do what? Nothing. So the, the point of the son being able to do anything, he could do nothing of himself, is actually an elevated, is actually the journey of sonship. Right? That is actually where sonship is getting to. Now, if a son still has within him the capacity the, to do the things of himself, he has not finished his school, his training of sonship. That you should still stay, you still have your own things. It's okay, still stay in the school. Praise God. It means you haven't finished observing everything. You've not accepted everything which the Father has. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, the natural model of fatherhood is not the exact same thing as the spiritual model. The natural model is a type of it. But it doesn't have the same standard and the same kind of component which the spiritual model has of fatherhood. In the spiritual model, the son is meant to become nothing but who his father is. Do you get that? But in the natural, there is it's difficult, it's an impossibility for a son to be exactly like his father. You have your own kind of identity, which you will take things from your father, but you still have your own kind of expression. Is because that is a testament to prove, to show that fatherhood in the natural is weaker than fatherhood in where? In the spirit. And it's not just weaker. God is the one who limited the power of fatherhood in the natural, intentionally. Why would God do that? God made it such that every father, no matter how much he would love to, would not have the ability to make his son exactly like himself. God made it such. 
God designed it, and God did it intentionally. Why? It's for, because of that Hebrews 12 explained it. He said that in your natural father, he called him father of your flesh. Let's read it, Hebrews 12. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, he said, he said the father um, of your flesh. Let's see verse um, for their own profit. Where did he? Is it verse what? Verse 9, praise God. Hebrews 12, verse 9 says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. He said, Then shall we not much be subject to the Father, rather to the, to the Father of spirits and live? Praise God, not that one. Let's see. Verse 10, yes. He says, For they verily for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure. That's the problem that the Lord has. The, that, that fathers in the flesh, praise God, the fathers in the flesh, when they chase him, they do it after their own pleasure, right? But he for our profit, so that we might become partakers of his word, of his holiness. So, because fathers in the flesh, God does not trust the pleasure of earthly fathers. So he won't empower them to to give, to make a, to have a child, praise God, that is exactly the way they are. So the Lord decreased the power of fatherhood of the flesh. Amen. Amen. But when it comes to fatherhood in the spirit, and fatherhood in the spirit, um, Jesus was saying here that the standard of fatherhood is different. It's about um, coming into an express what we call express image, right? Express image. You'll be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So verily I say unto you that the son can do what? Nothing of himself, but what he see the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the word son likewise. Now, because the father loves the son, and he then showed him all things. You see that? It's not some. All things. The father shows the son all things that he himself doeth. And then he will show him, he will show him greater works than these. That you may marvel. For as the father raised up the dead and then quickened them, even so the word, the son quickened whom he will. So it's clear that this son here, is also what? A father. Yes. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you're seeing them, the same thing about here in, in John 5, tying the, 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 the work, you call it the work of the father to something that has to do with the giving of life. Right? That was exactly what we saw in Hebrews chapter 12. Right? He said that if you've been subject to the fathers of your flesh, and all, would you not much rather be subject to the being subjection unto the father of who? of spirits and live? So if you come under subjection of the father of spirits, then what will happen is living. So the summary of this living here is not just one thing. 
the summary of living is also the summary of what you call the work. The work. There's something called the work, which is the work of the Father. Do you see that? The work of the Father is in summary. Jesus summarized it as raising of the dead and doing what? And quickening them. Raising of the dead and doing what? Quickening them. Twofold. Raising of the dead and doing what? Quickening them. Glory to Jesus. Now, now you see this operation of, of raising and quickening. Say raising, raising and quickening. Now, raising and quickening are love operations. Praise God. They are what? They are love operations. The Father, the, the way the Father does it is that he, he loves, right? Through love, when you say the Father loved the Son, this is not a feeling. I'm not saying the father doesn't feel anything about the son. But think of love here as a verb, an action. That there was a time the father was loving him. Right? The father was loving him. As the father was loving him, the demonstration of that love is showing. He was just loving him. Then he was showing him things which he himself doeth. Are you seeing that? So you can see then that love is the operation by which the father sheds himself, the way he opens up himself, the way he unveils himself. If, if he hasn't done that to you, he hasn't loved you. Do you get that? If he hasn't done that, he hasn't done what? He hasn't loved you. So this is not the love of every, the whole world. God loves the whole world and all that. God loves the world. He loves everybody. He loves every creature. God is love. But Jesus is teaching something. He's, he's trying to enlighten people about what we call love in the spirit. There is a, there is a high kind of... Um, a kind of thing, a kind of dealing, a kind is a kind of dealing is a kind of communion, a fellowship, something we, we call love at this level. Praise Jesus. It, it, it's the same conversation of John chapter 14, right? That they, but this, this love is clear, it's very conditional. John just was teaching that in chapter 14 of John that it's actually if a man loves me. This is verse 21, praise God. John 14, 21. Are we following the, the word? Yes, praise God. Today we just want to establish just simple scriptures. We all know them, um, but we want to establish them as, as a foundation for things to come. Amen. Yes. It says, he that hath my commandments, praise God, and keepeth them, then it, it, is, he, it is that loveth me. So are you seeing this first loveth me? Here, it's not a feeling either. Do you see that? It's not a feeling either. It's not saying, I love God. I feel love for you. Someone who is a Christian can, and they won't lie, they feel the way they can love a person. When they think about God, they feel that love for him. 
but that does not mean you have done this verse. Right, that this love is not a feeling. This love is something that you must have received first. Have them. It means that not everybody has the capacity to love the Father. Or you can call it capacity, or even opportunity. That men, when they, a person has the invitation, they will say, okay, come and love. It's a privilege. Do you know that? It's not every man on the earth who they've opened this opportunity to, right? They say, come, okay, we want to grant you, we want to grant you a privilege, a rare privilege. We want to grant you a rare opportunity. Come and love the Father. Do you understand that? And how you know that they are calling you to be a lover is when commandment begins to land at your doorstep. Yeah, it's not everybody. They don't command everybody, right? It is... Every, when they begin to bring commandment your way is, an in, is a love invitation. Do you see that? You might not see that, or you might be crying, God, what is this? You might, all you might feel, you just feel someone choking your neck. Why can't they leave me alone? Why can't I? But you don't know that. And that's why if you stay in the realm of feeling, you can miss, you begin to miss a lot of things. And I'm not saying feelings are bad. You need feeling. Feeling is good for you to think of God and smile and be happy. You know, you like the idea of him. You like the concept of him. But there will be a time when, when you think about him, you might not smile. <laughs> you get? But it doesn't mean that something is wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're backsliding. It doesn't mean anything. No, it's just that you have begun to, they've begun to, to, to change the love Definition. Are you getting that? They began to do what? Now, what did that Hebrews chapter, chapter 12 say? Is it this, the father whom he loves? Do you see that? He what? That's what opened that conversation. He said, whom the Lord loveth. Are you seeing that? It's whom he loveth, then he, he chasteneth. And he went on to explain that there's no chastisement that seems nice in the present. It seems grievous. But afterward, you see that, that's verse 11. He said, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. So it means that they can be loving you, but that expression of love not seem joyous. They, so are you seeing a different, a love that causes grief? That's the word, the grievous. Uh, praise God. The, you know, our kind of Christianity, especially North American kind, Canadian type, hey, can never accommodate this kind of word. If you tell an African, a Nigerian, that God loves in this way, they say, yeah, me, I knew. I knew this is how he, he, li- he likes to, he likes this kind of, they, they, they agree because hardship, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know that there's a hardship? So, yes, we understand. We've been Christians since. This is the only kind of God we know in America. <laughs> Praise God. But when you come to this part of the world, things are smooth, things are nice, rosy, everything. Praise God. You now find that a kind of gospel can begin to emerge that doesn't have space for this kind of a God 
this kind of dealing or this kind of interpretation of love. So this, this love for the present might not seem to be joyous, means it doesn't feel joyous, right? But it can, and it can cause a kind of grieving. What makes you grieve when you are losing something? When you are in mourning, right? Grieving is like in, it's in mourning. It means that you'll be constantly feeling the taste of death. Yeah. Uh, the taste of death means you see things going, right? Things will just be going before you. They, the law, this love incapacitates. It's actually, it's a jealous love. It binds you. Uh, glory to Jesus. Amen. They call it love that's as strong as death. Then he calls it a jealousy. That's what? That's demanding. Demanding means he wants to collect things. Give me that one now. You Before it's dropping, you say, okay, the other one. The other side. The other thing. Oh, then you, it's okay. I saw you. You hid that one. It's, when I wasn't looking, you thought, bring, go and bring it from where you, you, you understand what I mean? That's love. It's a jealousy of love. And, and heaven, they don't bring Christians into this kind of dealing just like that. If they bring you quickly, you will run away, right? You will never, you will never believe that this is God. God can never be like this. Praise God. But this is the, the, the love of God manifests in this way. Praise Jesus. And it says, nevertheless, afterward, it then will yield what the, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So back to the John chapter 14, that if a man loves me, that he will say, he that keepeth my commandments, and he that, he that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, that he it is that loveth me. And then he that loveth me, then shall be loved of my Father. Is conditional. Anybody who hasn't done the first part cannot say that the second part is happening to them. You, you can't get this love by a minute and say, God is our Father, He's the Father of all mankind, therefore He loves me. Yeah, there's a way in which He loves you, but it's not this kind of love. Praise God. Now, this love has a proof, right? How you can tell. Which love are you enjoying? The general one that's not conditional, right? When you say God's unconditional love, anybody who uses that word, right, and, and boasts and settles in that has no, is a baby. Let me tell you something. God has an unconditional love, but that unconditional love is just one of the loves he has. Do you get God's unconditional love, yeah, but this one is clear. It's not an unconditional love. This is a conditional love. Right? This is clearly what? So God, ha God has unconditional love, and God has what? Conditional love. So when it comes to the, this is the, talking about the conditional love of the Father. Am I saying heresy? It's not heresy, it's the Bible. Right, so babies enjoy unconditional love because you can't add condition to the, the way you love a baby. I can't love my newborn baby with condition. I'm a wicked man if I try to do that because I know that that baby has nothing in him or her to fulfill any condition. 
you must just love. You have to just love. Praise God. But the love that that baby can have is a, a type of love that has a very finite limitation. That if I love you in this way, and if I keep loving you in this way, you will have a limit when it comes to who I am. When it comes to, are you getting what I'm trying to say? So one of the, the great jump for Christians, and it's not difficult to take that leap, is to jump, move from the un- unconditional love of the Father into the Father's conditional love. That is a giant leap that must be taken. Praise Jesus. Yeah. And then the, the sign that you will know, the proof, there's a proof that you have come into the season of the conditional love of the Father is you begin to experience the manifestation of himself. Do you see that? That's what he's saying here. What, what is manifestation? He showeth me the things. That's what Jesus was teaching. And those guys had no clue what Jesus was saying. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's clear. This is very clear. that This is the fruit. This is how you know that you have begun to tap into the conditional love of the Father. Is that you begin to see what he's doing. Right? You begin to he will begin to manifest himself, not things. He will, for a long time, he's been showing you things. But after a while, he will say, I want to begin to manifest my own self. Yeah. Are you seeing that? Yes, sir. When the Father wants to begin to manifest himself, he will, now be, he will first give you commandments and say, take, do your part. Now, prove to me that you can love. Because if to, I want to open my love world to you, all we'll be doing there is loving. Do you get what I'm saying? There's nothing else we'll be doing. We'll just be loving. Love as a principle, love as a, an entity will begin to unveil itself. We begin to, glory to God. The, it's very clear that love is the principle of of life in God, right? Is the principle. Is the love is the code of relating with God. John he was saying that he that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. He that lo- you can't know God. The word knowledge means you can't you can't come close to Him without love. Like love is actually the is the love is the fuel. Love is the energy by to, by which a person has dealings with God. Are you seeing that? 1 John 4, verse 8, that he that loveth not, what? Knoweth not God. For who? For God is... And then when, it, when you want to begin to love, you don't start with God. Right? They must give you things to start with first. To, and those things, the, those things are training to convert the soul into a lover. Right? They are, they must, God has, he has a program, desire, he will do it. He knows what kind of commandment to give you that if there is no love in you, you can never do it. Right? He knows. They know what to do. They'll just, okay, do this one. It's not by gravity. It's not shouting. It's not by, you can pray, fire, breathe fire, everything. And say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you to the ends of the earth. Anywhere you are going, I'm going to say, okay. They are not moved by that. They'll just say, okay, are you ready? You say, yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? It's okay. Take this one and then do this one. It's just simple commandment. You understand what I'm trying to say? So, 
it's clear that when uh, what they call commandments, commandment, if it's not, are not things that reside in you, number one, they are not things that ever occur to you. They are not things that you say, oh, I would just think I would like to do this, or this is a nice thing. Most times when commandments are coming to you, they use the word commandment because it's commanding you. Commanding you means it's not something that you want to do. It's a command. Praise God. And it's clear that only, only love responds to commandment. Right, because obeying commandment requires the death of one's self. Something must die for commandment to be fulfilled. If you did something easily, nothing died. It wasn't a commandment. It doesn't count. In other words, you didn't do it by the energy of love. Right? How you prove, how you show an energy of love was just used. A death just occurred. Do you agree with that? A death just what? Occurred. If nothing died, everything is still intact. After you did it, we know that <laughs> it did nothing happen. You have not really loved. Uh, do you see that? They, uh, they have not really loved. Amen. Glory to Jesus. It says, He that had my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. So, commandments, praise God. You can, commandment and love. These are the teachings of Jesus. Jesus began to put all these things together, they were missing before. Right, but Jesus began to bring them together and explain them. Praise God. When you read, they, act, they came to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Remember? Right, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus just simplified everything. He said, Moses gave you many things, and he explained them, but let me really summarize everything that was the whole point of all that God told to Moses. He gave him ten commandments, right, but... Let me just summarize all of them to you. That the, the great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with what? With all thy mind. Now, this one is the great, what? How did Jesus put it? He says, this is the first. Is the first. Say first. This is the first, and then what? And the great commandment. There's something called the great commandment. There are not many, actually. Praise God. The, this is the great commandment. It's not, it's the great. It means every other commandment is not really great. Right? This one is actually the great commandment. If you can love the Lord, who is thy God? It's very clear that the Lord, who is thy God, is the Father. Do you see that? The Father, or you can call him the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty is the Father, who is the Lord, who is thy God. If you can love him with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Now, why would he need all of these things? It's for all, for all. Do you see that? For all things. Like the, the Father loveth the Son. When he's responding with his own love, he's not going to say, okay, let's have a, a half-packed. So you do half, I bring half. God, Father said, no, we don't, I don't do that kind of thing. You, if we do that, we are, we are breaking the principle of fatherhood in the spirit. God will say, I can't love you the way your father loves you. 
that it will give you some things and leave the rest for fill the rest with your own personality, your own idea, your own things. You have your own, your unique. God will say, no, I'm not like that. Is that when I look at you, everything in you they are bad because you had another father before who was not wasting any time in filling you with his own things. He kept pouring his own stuff into you. And when I see you, you've you don't have good things. Amen. There's no man, like Jesus said, no man is good. There's none actually good. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So, so the pact of, to begin to see the pact of fatherhood in the spirit, I mean fatherhood of the soul, is all for what? For all. It's all for all. You must begin to get used to that language when you want to move into the terrain of the father, the, the land of the father. You want to inherit everything. Glory to Jesus. You must be willing to do it, to take all. It says, for the father loved the son, praise God, and giveth him all things that he, showing him all things that he himself would doeth. Glory to God. So to receive all things from the father, it means that you must have the capacity for all things in you. Right? The capacity for what? Let's go back to th- that commandment, that great commandment. Praise God. He said, is he that love it? Sorry, the, the glory to God. Matthew, Matthew 22, it says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Praise God. All thy heart, all thy soul, and with what? All thy mind. And then this is the first and Jesus just put this one in one place. You see this thing? Now, Jesus is saying this, right? Now, was this a figure of speech? Was it like some, Jesus was just using figure of speech, you know? I'm not really, I don't really mean all, though. Let me just say all, just to emphasize it, to make it big, to shock you. In that rhetorical way. You know, that way we talk. Ah! You just, I just finished everything. You didn't finish everything. You just mean that you did a lot, but you just say everything. You know what I mean? That way of talking. That's not, Jesus was not speaking like that. <laughs> if Jesus said all, he meant all. Yes, Do you see that? These are, so it, it, it's, it's clear for you to read this verse and see this as an aspiration in this lifetime. Something must have happened to you. Something you cannot with, on, you know, these things, these are, these are the things the church is actually meant for. Do you understand what I mean? The things we should, be, we should be tearing into pieces in church, our normal conversation, should be things that when other people come at, at the door and they hear what we are saying, they should run away. You understand what I mean? You get what I mean? These are the, these kind of things. When you begin to talk about loving, they say, what, what do you do in your church? <laughs> you are just learning to love the Lord with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. Uh, you, you get what I'm, and then the person will hear, oh, wow, that's nice, such a nice t- thought, a nice idea. They will think you are joking, or they come close to you. You understand what I mean? And they, they begin to see you tearing down loves, all kind of attachment. They wonder, ah, ah, what kind of human being are you? Is this one bad? You say, ah, yes, so. Isn't this a nice thing that every normal person, you understand, it's nice, but... Um, there's a way that one must use them. You say, what do you mean there's a way you must use them? You say, 
I cannot love them. Because anything about love is reserved for one entity. Then they ask you, but how won't you love it? You know that, do you know that the, the sweetness that men take from things is the love of them? Do you know that? Do you know that men don't know how to interact with things without love? If you, if you come around somebody and you bring that kind of approach, they think something is wrong with you. There's a way they expect you to be vibrating to something. But maybe that thing is nice. When you get it, you look at it, wow, lovely, nice. You, are with, you, you, you jump like them. You are excited like them. After a while, you just drop it and go away. As if that thing was nothing. And they're watching you. What do you mean? How can you just leave this thing? Like that. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I'm using just explanation because of time. What it means is that the only way the world teaches men to hold things is by commitment of heart, soul, and mind. Nobody in this world knows how to handle anything on the earth without commitment of heart, soul, and mind. This thing is a, is a miracle. It is, it is super, it's out of this world for anybody to have this capacity. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Nobody can do it. It's, there's actually a kind of, of a power. Something must be at work in you. This was the conversation of Paul in Philippians chapter 3. So all that which was gained to me, I counted them all. It sounds easy. Count it all down. Do you know what it means? If, now for him to say, say for what things were gained to me, those I counted lost. You know, he didn't say that these things were just removed from me casually. No. He used the word counted. It means that you, while he was doing it, he was in consideration of the value which the world has placed on that thing. The way you, the way you do it, if you don't do it this way, it will not go. If you just rashly throw it away, when you come back tomorrow, you will see it lying on your bed. It has a glue. You say, you can't throw me away now. You can't throw it. What binds us is deep. <laughs> What is tie? We, we actually have a tie together that you don't know. Well, even, I, I even like that operation of throwing me away. It's like a play. We, like, we can be playing like that. You know, I know you, it's, it's, it's a love play. You know how you do as if you don't like me, but I, that kind of, you understand what I mean? So there's no, nothing in this world, right? you can't, that's why you can't use energy. No, I'm burning my house. I don't like house. I want to live under a tree. If you do it, what will happen? You will live under a tree for two days. After two days, what will happen? You go and meet your brother, please. Can we? We'll see you in the bank, right? The bank will be bank asking for, ah, how can we get another one? Right? Because you just burned the house. You didn't burn the tie. The tie is, is strong, it's deep, it's spiritual. You understand what I mean? So how to burn those ties? It takes, it's a kind of an education. It's, it's a power. That's what Paul was speaking about here in this Philippians chapter 3. This is, these, are, these are the dealings of spiritual men. These are secret, secret abilities, skill that men of the spirit know how to do. Right? When you are, you are a pursuer of the spirit, the things of the spirit, 
you begin to gain skill on how to cut ties that are invisible. If something is tied to your soul, you can take the scissors of the Holy Ghost and identify the string and cut it. That's what the ministry of the Spirit does. He, he travels deep. He can see the ties. He knows where Satan hides his things in order to cut the cords. Praise God. And so Paul, he said that, Yet doubtless I count all things but of loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of what? All things. And I do count them. He kept using the word count. Count. Count them means I am able to look at their value. And, and by staring at it, that's how they make a spiritual person. It's not by just closing your eyes. No, I, no, no. They will say, look at it. Keep looking at it. You keep looking at it. Amen. You know, you can rashly say, I hate this thing. But when you rashly do it, the Holy Ghost will now say, go back again. Or if you don't, they will now orchestrate it for you to come back again. Because they can't trust that your rash throwing away. Praise God. Amen. They can't trust that rash throwing away. They will find a way to bring it again. They will find a way for you to see. They will say, okay, look at, keep looking at it. You keep looking at it. That thing in your heart that wants to avoid it, say, don't, no, don't avoid it, just keep looking at it then. As you're looking at it under the, the light of the ministry of which the Holy Ghost shed, the lamp, the ambient light of the Spirit, as you begin to look at that thing, something will begin to happen with the light. The light, the spiritual light, which, which is, you know, light incident upon the thing and cause the reflection back into your eye. When you change the light and bring the light of the spirit, bring that thing under the light of the spirit. Something that used to to be a pool before, that used to be alluring before, you begin to see corruption in it. It begins to turn from shining to disdain. You you look at it and look at it while looking at it with the light, under the light of the spirit, which is the light which the Father supplies to the soul. Something that was alluring, that had a pull to your soul before, it will turn into something detestful. That's what Paul meant by counting it dung. It means that all those things he listed, they were, light, light, they were nice before. Then after a while, he kept looking at them, they became excreta. Why should I... Once that has happened, you've left it. That thing can never, the tie to that thing has been what? Has been broken, has been severed. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. So this thing, no, he was saying this thing. He said that it's actually, I'm doing this counting that I may win Christ, right? And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, Amen. But which is that which is through the faith of Christ. Are you seeing that there is a righteousness which is through the faith of Christ, which is the righteousness which is of God. By what? By faith. Praise God. So if you want to summarize, what is Christ really? Christ is a school of commandment. Or Christ is actually a school of love, right? It is the place where they, 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 will take, they will take a soul and begin to walk on the soul and walk on the soul and they will do so much, so much tilling, so much tearing, so much rearrangement 
In that process, a lot of crying is involved, a lot of grieving is involved, a lot of mourning is involved. Christ actually is a bitter herb in the spirit, right? He tastes bitter when they begin to bring Christ and begin to do, go into the dealings of what Paul calls the sufferings of Christ is actually a, grievous, a kind of a grievous season. They will keep, you keep learning Christ and learning Christ and learning Christ until that thing which they call the peaceable fruit of righteousness begin to will arise, right? What is, what is actually the peaceable fruit of righteousness? It's simple. If the soul can make peace with loss, Right? What, do you understand what I mean? You've made peace with what? With loss. Any soul who does not, hasn't made peace with loss, right, will not have peace with God. If you're not, that's what proves you are a lover. Do you get It's what proves what? You are a lover. Is an. What actually Christ wants to produce in you is really a fruit. It's the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's the first fruit you will bear, but that fruit is a proof that you are fruitful. It's not really the fruit your soul needs to bear, but it's the proof, the fruit that is the proof. It's the fruit that when the soul has brought that fruit, they will now go and tell God, Jesus will now tell God, say, his father. He said, Father, this person, I took this soul through my curriculum of Christ in me, which you gave to me, which is actually the curriculum of fruitfulness to make you fruitful. And he will tell, he tell the Lord, God, this soul has borne the fruit. And if you tell God that his soul has borne the fruit, God knows that no soul can bear this fruit if his land is not fruitful. But that fruit which Christ bears is not a fruit that God eats. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not a fruit that what? It's not a fruit that God will not eat the fruit. Your brethren can eat the fruit. You can share it to your brothers. They will be enjoying the fruit. Uh, right, the, that peaceable fruit of righteousness, they, when you share it among your brethren, you get to a point where they will raise many Christ Amen. have been raised. It will, it will become a garden of fruits. Amen. Do you understand what I mean? That, you, that unfeigned love of the brethren, that charity, right? That charity, glory to God, the fruit of charity is a fruit. Do you know God does not eat charity fruit? Do you get what I'm, do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Why charity does not, does not have the pleasure of for God, right? Charity, when it comes to God, charity does not register as pleasure. God only deals in pleasure, joy and pleasure. In the presence of God is fullness of joy, right? And anything short of joy, pleasure, forget it, God will not accept it. But charity is a fruit of peace. In the spirit, you've made peace nice. God can take it and frame it, and they will celebrate it. Right? And you can be sharing your, your brethren can eat of your fruit too and enjoy your fruit. 
But the fruit of a soul that have made peace in the spirit is actually an indication to God that this land has become fruitful. So they will now say, God will now tell the Father will now tell Jesus, go and bring such a fellow. Whoever brought, produced this fruit of charity, can you go where they are? And Jesus knows where they are. They are in the sanctuary, just behind the veil, waiting. What are they waiting for? Waiting to come into the presence of God. The, the Father has to send Jesus. Go and bring that person who bore that fruit. Then why, why should you go and bring them? It's time for me to walk. Do you understand that? It's time for who? It's time for me. That's when the Father... So a, a soul who hasn't borne that fruit, fruit of peace that tells God, we are not fighting anymore because God does not fight with men. <laughs> right? God does not do what? God does not what? God doesn't fight. That's not his work. His work is not fighting with men. God only deals with the dead. That's all. If, if there is, you are not dead, God will say, wait. We can't, don't come here yet. You, you can't come to the Father. You are him before. I say, Father, I have an idea. There's something. I was telling Christ the other time that there's something left. And then all this other thing, I understand. There's something that I mentioned there. There's a way we can make you. And then Father will say, what the, you understand what I mean? That you can't. I'm just using I want to make you laugh. So I'm just, praise God. Just to make you get the idea. Now, just know that, forget about my jokes, everything I'm saying. Just know I'm talking about your soul. You understand? Right, now, what do I mean by the father who does not fight with men? What I mean is that the father will not receive any land that doesn't have the capacity for all. If there are things there, they will fight God. Uh, do you understand me? When they say, when the Bible speaks about a spiritual man, that is Ephesians chapter 4, is that spiritual, or a perfect man, that's the word, a perfect man. A perfect man is a man who has, who has finished all his fighting. Right? That's one way to describe a perfect man. A perfect man is a man who has run out of all his ideas and giving them all up. Say, no, I don't have any idea. When all your ideas as a man has died, right, you have become a land that the Father can begin to what? To walk on. Do you see that? Praise God. So it's, but to attain that death, they must put you to death by the commandments of Christ. Who is Christ? Christ, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Christ is the provision from God to wrestle men to their death. Does that make any sense to you?
Now, those who are not aware of, when I say Christ, God, what I just mean by Christ, I'm not just speaking about the man Jesus, right? I'm saying that in the spirit, there is a stature called Christ, right? There's a stature called Christ in the spirit. The word Christ just means the Christos or the, the sent one, the Messiah, actually. It means the anointed one, sorry. The anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. But Christ is an anointing, is, an anointing, is a stature in the spirit who, who, is a, who is a foundation, right? Is a foundation for God, right? We're not speaking about God just as a person. Think about God as a nature. And think about this today. In the spirit, there's a nature of Christ. It's not the same thing as the nature of God. When you read the New Testament, Paul speaks about Jesus Christ as a person. There are a lot of times he does that. But there are a lot of times when Paul is not speaking about the person Jesus Christ. He's speaking of a nature called Christ. For example, when he said, My little children, for whom I travail again in birth, until Christ is what formed in you. So it's clear, Jesus Christ was a man who Christ was formed in. But after the formed Christ in Jesus, that's not all the formation Jesus received. After some time, Jesus began to, he came into the hand of his father and his father began to form his own nature. There's something called the nature of God. It's called, um, Peter calls it the divine nature. Right? The divine nature is the nature of God himself. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I just said that just to help those who are not as familiar with these terms that I'm saying. Glory to Jesus. Um, just see your journey in the spirit to where God wants to bring you into as a two-step journey. Right? You must first become one thing. In other words, for you to have God's nature, they must make you a type of man who can become perfect. It's called Christ. He's a perfect man. Then after, it's a man who has become perfect. You now say, ah, because I'm now perfect as a man, I have now developed taste buds for a nature that's beyond a man's nature, which is I want to share of your own nature, God, because it's been promised to me. It's called the divine nature. So it takes a perfect man to now begin. You now come into the school of the Father. The, the, what the Father does is simply to raise men in the order of the divine. Do you see that? That's the work of the Father. To raise men what? In the order. So you will not see the Father teaching men in terms of it's not really his job right, as the Father to now, when I say father, what do I, father to you can be Jesus, who stands as a father to teach you. Right? But it's not far. When Jesus is teaching you about Christ, he's not teaching you as a father. He's teaching you as a kind of a Lord. Praise God, who can perfect men. But the role of fatherhood in the spirit is, God, is fatherhood according to God's life. Fatherhood according to God's life is only is for the, okay, the vocation of giving men the life of God. I'm making some sense to you. These things are very, very clear, right? 
They are very clear. Thank God Daddy has taught us all these things. Amen. Everything I'm saying to you are not my own things. I don't have any revelation in this area. Everything I'm teaching you are things I learned from my Father in the Lord, Reverend Kyle Deweyeko. Okay, amen. amen. So, and the Lord sent him to teach us these things. Praise God. And he, he's not teaching anything outside the Bible. Everything is in the Bible. It's just that for certain generations and dispensation, God will raise men to see things that other men have not seen yet for that generation. God is progressive. You understand what I mean? Before we just saw Jesus as one thing. We didn't even know Jesus, God, they're all the same. In the middle of praying to Jesus, you switch to God. You, you mix them everything. You know, you don't, that's, that's a sign of, we're not educated. You understand? We are not, you understand what I mean? We are not, um, we don't, we're not enlightened when it comes to the Bible, right? But the Lord is bringing light to bring, rightly divide the word of truth to demarcate different things, praise Jesus, in the spirit. It's clear that God will not come and be teaching divine nature to a man who is not spiritual. That's not too hard to understand. You can easily accept that. It's very easy. You are not spiritual. Can they teach you God? Can someone who is not spiritual be trained by the father of spirits? Right? You can't be trained. They must first make you spiritual. Then, after making you spiritual, you must at least have one molecule of spirit. <laughs> you understand? At least one molecule of what? Spirit in you. Then they will not give you because he can then be a father of spirit. If you don't have a single molecule of spirit in you, then he can't father you. He must wait for you to have become spirit. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Evanasia, Tevra and Prosia, Presso for the Herald. I live in a house. Thank you. Messiah, Lord. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Amen. The Lord is just saying, I've set you on a, on a spiritual trajectory, a trajectory of the spiritual, which is the tra- trajectory of the Christ. It's a, it's a Christ trajectory that you are, I've set you on that trajectory and it's for a landing point. That the trajectory of Christ will land you in spirit. Right? That, that really, if you, if you focus on the vocation of being spiritual, that you will land in spirit. You're landing in spirit, talking about you, you have a landing point in the presence of the Father. 
where the Father can take you and the Father can raise you. So the Lord is saying, don't, don't, don't shift out of your spiritual trajectory. Don't move to the left or don't move to the right. Don't move away from being spiritual. Take up the challenge of being spiritual. Journey. Being, don't, don't move out of orbit. For here you are set in an orbit in the spirit. Continue to move. Continue to rotate and rotate and revolve. Revolve in the spirit. For here you have a destination. You have a destination in me. Say it. Say it, the Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, for as the Father raised up the dead and does what? And quickeneth them. Even so the Son quickeneth who? Whom he will. So this dead, you can see this dead here, are not those who are without spiritual life. And it's not those who are without physical life. Right? In the Father's realm, or in his eyes, there is something called his sight. Right? Hosea was speaking about that in the book of Hosea chapter 6. Right? Is it? Praise God. That after, um, let's see, quickly, Hosea chapter 6. Praise God, verse 2 says, after two days he will revive us, you see. Right? Then, on the third day he will what? Raise us up. He will revive us. He will raise us up. And then what will happen? And then we shall leave. The word leaving is quickening. It's, it's quickening. We, to live in his sight is an active word that you are living in his sight. Right? So that, that, what, that is sight. Let's go to see verse 1 quickly. Praise Jesus. It's come, let us return to the Lord. That's the first thing. You have to, to return to the Lord. When you are returning to the Lord, in the cause of returning is clear that Christ is a return. Is that clear to you? Was that Christ is what? What kind of return? return? Just return from where man went to, where devil sent man. The message devil sent us to. Remember, in the beginning, we started from a point in the beginning. Genesis. There was not supposed to be an exodus. Right? There's just supposed to be Genesis and the end. Or a revelation, whatever you call it. We're supposed to, we're supposed to move from Genesis into another world. Our end was in another, another world, another dimension. We're supposed to transi transition into a, another, another, a world to come. Another, we're supposed to move into eternity, the realm of God's eternal life from our Genesis. But then the enemy of God came and then sent man a message. See, exit. Exodus means an exit. So... That Exodus, then we kept going from Exodus. Praise Jesus. So, so man left the beginning. And then, of course, the journey of man from the beginning was a journey away from God. Man began, sin came, then death passed upon men, generation to generation. Man has been journeying away from God. Away. Away from, well, not, let me not even say from God, from the beginning. Man was going away from his what? Beginning. So it's clear, for God will not just come and say, let's just start. God has to create a technology for return. Man must return first. 
before then, when man has returned, then God will then start what he wanted to do in the first place. Do you understand me? When God made man, he had plans. That plan did not include sin. It didn't include sinning, it didn't include all those things. So God must bring something to deal with all those sins and all those things which the enemy brought. After dealing with those things, then God will say, it's now time to start. Right? You are now barren. You have a, a land. You are now a garden that I can now begin to operate from. So it's clear that Christ is the solution to the journey away from the beginning. And that way you can put it is that when you say someone is learning Christ, coming into the nature of Christ, all you are just saying is that that person is trying to arrive back at the beginning. And it's clear that when you get to the beginning, it's so that you can come back, so that God can do what he wanted to do in the be- initially. You see that? So this returning to the Lord, you see, for he has torn, he will heal us. Then you see, he has smitten. Then you see, I see in this tearing. You see, he has torn, then, and he will heal. He has smitten. He will do what? He will bind. This tearing and smiting was for to, 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 to bring to a state of death. Do you get that? Yes. But this is not the death of the devil. It is a, this is a good kind of death. Can you accept that? Yes. Death in what sense? Is death when it comes to God's own life. His own, the divine life. Someone who doesn't have God's divine nature to God is dead. Do you agree? But that doesn't mean he doesn't have any other type of life. Someone who God sees as dead, whom he sees, you don't have my own life yet because I haven't done my work on you. But there's a life you have. It's called Christ. Christ is a type of life of a man. But when you can bring someone who is a Christ, but that person has, is not alive in his sight. Do you understand the meaning of that? Well, according to the standard of his own life, you, are not alive, you don't have it yet, but you have come as a candidate for my life. That's what Christ makes you a candidate for the life of God because of the power of returning. And it's called it's the power of returning or the, the power of turning. Christ can turn men back to God. Trace your step, man. You are not meant to be a flesh. You're meant to be spiritual. You're spiritual. Glory to Jesus. You're supposed to be what? Spiritual. Spiritual. Amen. Is a spiritual man who you make a spirit. Right. You make a spiritual man a what? A spirit. What does it mean that he is a spirit? To be a spirit means to have none, to have function that is not that is not limited to man. Do you see that? To have is another kind of a function 
that is not just limited. That when you see what a spirit does, you say, men don't do this. No, men don't do this. Men. Now, does it mean he's not a man? No, he's just a man who is a spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like when they bring anything the first begotten, all the angels began to worship him. They saw something about him that was so much better. But is he, is he still a man? He's still a man. Jesus is still a man there. But he's a man whose soul has, has, has gained abilities beyond what men can do. Are you seeing that? Has gained what? Ability. Now, how do you summarize the ability of, of his spirit? It, I, I would call it love motions. Love movement. You know that 1 Corinthians 13 described love of a man. Yes, That's charity. When you see suffering long, patient, all of those things, keep no account of wrong. And that's not an ordinary man. That's a perfect man can do that. But you understand that the long suffering of a man is not the same as the long suffering of a spirit. When the, the man has finished long suffering, see, I've, I've tried to have I've suffered long. I have finished long suffering. His spirit is just getting excited. It's just, it's just starting. It's just gearing up to begin. You understand what I mean? Like, when you say, ah, I've endured her. Hey! I've been suffering because of the, the life of Christ in me. I, I have, she has stretched me. Yes, long suffering. Charity has, you have suffered. But you can see a charity soul is getting to their, they have, one thing about men, men have a breaking point. They will try you. A, a, a Christ, what, what a Christ can do. Someone who has Christ in them, the nature of Christ in them. Christ will deal with principalities and powers. Rulers of darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. You get what I'm saying? It's it just the nature of a Christ. I mean, imagine being militated against by such an entity. You know, such beings are beings of hatred, right? A Christ will stand and break their power through his long suffering. Don't joke with a, a Christ. You understand what I mean? But there, is, there, there are more evils than that, right? You understand what I mean? One a Christ will find difficult to do is to, to drag and to stay and wrestle against his spirit that has everlasting strength. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? There's something called there's everlasting strength. When, if you bring everlasting strength and weight upon a, a spiritual man, he will try, but he can crumble. He can still break. As awesome, as wonderful, as powerful as he is. Right? If you then, let's say someone who is not just everlasting, but who is perfect in all ways, like Lucifer was. 
right? Lucifer wasn't, didn't just have an everlasting strength. He was perfect in his ways. When you bring someone, he, br- he then brought his weight upon Adam, who was just in the beginning. You know, beginning means that Adam, right, was a living soul. Every living soul is a type of a spirit. Because why are they a spirit? Because they live in God's sight. Right? They live in God's sight. So they are a spirit. But then you now brought someone who, when it comes to way of spirit, is he has tint of perfection, flawlessness. Then that's why Adam couldn't stand such a man when he began to talk to him. When he, he just began to move around him, began to do things around him. The pace of that spirit, Adam couldn't. That would tell you that in the dimension of spirit, there are calibers, there are paces, there are quick. Not all spirits are the same. That's why you need the training of the Father of spirits. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? As awesome as Adam was, Satan was faster than him. When he's trying to bring an answer against what Satan was doing, the, the speed of the unwinding of the thought, Satan was doing, a, that tree was doing some things around Adam. It was running circles around him, arguments around him, showing him different kind of life, different kind of thing you can become. Before he would think of God, the spirit Satan has heaped argument upon argument. He couldn't catch up. Are you getting what I'm saying? With the, with the life that was being painted by that tree. Are you getting, it's a, that thing was not ordinary. That, that temptation was spirit against spirit. Just that that one was is a master spirit. Like God, made, God spoke about in the book of Ezekiel. Praise the Lord. So it was, it was faster. Praise God. So he was able to, to defeat that man and send him out of that beginning position. He just brought Adam out of his school. Adam, leave your school. Leave your school. Come out and move into, come and take a journey into corruptible things. Come and take a journey into corruption. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, so that death, I was just describing that thing called the death of the Father. Amen. If you're not understanding my message, I know there are a few people here who are not understanding what I'm saying. Let me tell you a secret about spiritual things. The doorway into spiritual things is not understanding. The doorway is faith. You will never believe anything. So you, ne- you will never understand anything you don't believe. Mm-hmm. So if maybe this is the first time you're encountering this kind of thoughts, don't be discouraged. Don't be like, what's this thing? It's not for me. No, no, don't know. Just check it. As I'm talking to you, there's something trying to talk to you that these things are true. Listen to that thing. And then he will, if you follow that voice, is also a way. There are different ways to listen to a message. You can follow the, the faith path. And you are listening. You are not understanding everything that's being said, but you can be responding with belief to the spirit of the message. When you do that, you will be blessed seriously. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So in the world, you, you, they prove to you so you can believe. That's worldly standard. God does not pray that way. When God wants to teach you something, he will tell you, say it to you first and check, do you believe what I said? You say, God explain it. No, we don't explain. You must believe without knowing first. You understand? Then faith is the, it's by faith we know. Right? By faith we know that the world, or he said by faith we understand. That's Hebrews chapter 11. 
right? Say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You've not seen it, but it's an evidence. It's a type of evidence. So God's own evidence in God's lab is faith. When you go to God's lab, you think they will do experiment for you. After you align up with your lab coat and everything, you look for what is the proof, show me God doesn't work that, God does not work that way. God will say, my own laboratory is a faith laboratory. They will say, okay, we're not doing any experiment. Just start believing. I will just be telling you things. Be believing them. I'll be giving you challenge of belief. If you can take my challenge of believing things you don't understand, that's how we mark your script in our laboratory. You get what I'm saying? Then if you pass that school, then in, in God's program, you go to the lab of faith before they send you to the classroom. You understand what I mean? <laughs> then they will now say, you've passed believing, then go and now start understanding. And the reason why God must do that is because if they don't, you, you don't believe it, try to make you understand, you can never, you will, you will be using your cerebral mind. It will not be a spiritual understanding. For your understanding to be spiritual, it must be, it must be an effort in understanding something you already believe. Men are not used to that. Is there anybody who, the first time you ever saw, met me, you understood what I was saying? The first day you saw me. You understand? So if you are here, you have that struggle. Ask, I can call anybody, they'll give you their own story. What, the first day that they saw me. Right? And a lot of people met me and they, I was just talking and they left. They said, what's the meaning of this? They just went away. You understand? But those who were able to stay around, they just kept listening and listening because of a, a childish heart, yes, meekness yes, of heart. It just, it just enjoying the spirit. There's just something about this that's just nice. Even if it's just the story, enjoy the story. And thank God, God, I just enjoyed the story and the jokes that were cracked today. And uh, Because why, if you are faithful with little, God will test you with little first. You understand? Then uh, the story is after you, you just enjoy it, enjoy after a while, Wow, I just understood that thing. That's how it is. Oh. And sometimes when you understand it comes, it's a gosha. As if all the, like 10 messages you start lining up, you start seeing them. You understand what I mean? Uh, God's way is just different. That, I'm sorry, that's the way it is. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Right? Say that not, where are they? The, the disputers of the age, where's the wise, where's the prudent? Hasn't God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And made it that not through wisdom should men know him, but that through the foolishness of preaching, might he, he will save them that believe. Through the foolishness of preaching. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For that after that, in the wisdom of God, this is God's own kind of wisdom, in his own, how he thinks, the world by wisdom knew God not, knew him not. So, if you, so God is not wisdom versus wisdom. Right? God is wisdom versus foolish. Right? If, you, if, God is, if, you, if you come as wise, God will hide his own wisdom from you. All right? But you must come as a fool. You say, and then God will manifest, he will manifest himself first also as a fool to you is to test whether you are a fool, really. <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> do, you get, do you get what I'm saying? 
that's just God for you. <laughs> I won't lie to you. That's how God is. God would test whether you are a fool. The only way he can test is that. Because he knows that if you are not really a fool, you've not accepted foolishness, if he comes without, with not being a fool, or if he comes, if, if you've not accepted foolishness, if he comes as a fool, you will disdain him. And you will go away. So when he's coming, he comes in foolishness to test your heart. If he comes in foolishness, you too, you said too, you, you are rolling on the ground, even me, I'm a fool. I've been a fool since, so in fact, I'm not interested in anything. I've been using wisdom since. What has wisdom done for me? With all my thinking, thinking, my soul is still empty, wretched, trying to understand everything. I don't have, the more I look, the less I see. You understand what I mean? So, at some point, you just say, God, this foolish, let me just, let's just be playing. You know what I mean? That's, you know, should I tell you something? That's the best attitude to come to meeting. When you're about to come to a meeting, just roll around on your, on your ground you know, and laugh some, for some time. Do fully, watch cartoon for some time. Just be foolish. Then you are ready for meeting. You understand? Then when, then when you come, just uh, because in that foolishness, that's God for you. When you say, God, we are we're here. This life today. You understand what I mean? If you don't want to understand this message, let me tell you how, you, let me tell you how, not, to, how not to get blessed. If you want to shut down the window of being blessed now, just say, this thing called Father, Christ, God, okay, I must know everything and every scripture must be accurately explained and demonstrably manifested to, you understand what I mean? And say that every single line of what is said, once you, once you do that, just door of blessing you, all the angels will bring message. Once they see, you know that thing is an aroma in the spirit, you start smelling somehow. The angel will look at each other, this guy doesn't, this one wants, is looking for proof. And we don't have proof in that kind of manner. You understand? What, all we brought is play. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if you're in a playground and your a child is too serious, all the other children, they know, they check your, ah, man. <laughs> all the children who came to play, will be, they will play in their own side. They, they, will be af- they will be afraid of you. And you, you'll be angry. Why are you guys playing? The, the more you are shouting, the more they are running because your spirit is not the spirit that they came with. When we see God, we'll be too surprised at how God is. You'll be surprised God will just be laughing from morning to night. You say, ah, when are we going to do choir? When, is the, when are we going to do Bible study? <laughs> I, can, I can assure you, I can bet you that if Jesus comes and lives with you for a week, you will think he's not holy at all. That was the issue with the Jews, the Pharisees they had with him. What kind of thing is this? They, they, they just looked at him and said, look at all these disciples. They're always eating. I have never seen Peter without chicken in his mouth. <laughs> you know, that's, that's every time. Maybe John's on his granite. You know? That's the issue they have. Why are they not fasting? They came one time. Why don't they fast? And Jesus laughed and laughed and laughed and <laughs> said, Look, 
man, it's not the, why should they fast when the bridegroom is here? The bridegroom is with them, it's party time. It should be partying every day. It's not about fasting. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Glory to Jesus. So, I'm just trying to show you that the doorway into spiritual things is that when you get to you would have you would play yourself into God. You understand that? Yeah. What makes men serious are corruptible things. Do you know why men are serious with corruptible things? Because they feel those things can easily go. That if they handle them, if you're not if you don't handle it too tight, it will leave you. Because you know it's corruptible. You want to hold it with your life. You get serious about it. Like the way they teach you about how to, be, to keep money. Have you gone to money seminar before? In fact, they'll first of all tell you that money doesn't like you. They'll tell you that money hates you. That any, every money is trying to run away from you. So <laughs> if you just relax, you wake up without what happened. It will borrow leg. So <laughs> the only way to be rich was, was hook every money with a... It's a string and ties to yourself. You get what I'm saying? It's, that's the law of the... It's a poverty mindset, actually. When you are too serious about, in, about corruptible things, it means you are poor. Right? It's a, it's a vanity mindset. But God is not like that. God's things are too plenty. They don't finish. Apart from being plenty, each one will last forever. It's not going anywhere. You get what I'm it's not scarce. Resources are not scarce. God has every you understand what I'm trying to say? So God is not so that's why God can afford to be playful all the time. Even look at the way they wrote Bible, it's not a serious thing. It's not really serious, right? It's not really serious. If you are too serious, you won't see anything. The moment you relax. The books then begin to talk to themselves, begin to open up itself because of, of meekness. Glory to Jesus. Say in the presence of God, fullness of joy is right hand, pleasures forevermore. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So, um, so just so anyone, just don't worry, just believe. We're just fellowshipping, right? Take the attitude of how you eat. When you go to a table, and this is life feast, right? You go to a table and they put food before you. Do you start asking, or do people do it now? You understand what I mean? <laughs> you see someone in the restaurant will bring out their phone, how many calories do you want? If there is a way to bring a scale inside their bag and sneak it, they will, this chicken, how much does it weigh? That's, all those are death, it's called death behavior. You know? it's, that's, that's how you know that man has gone far. Do you understand what I mean? Why, 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 why? <laughs> you, have, you have removed all the joy from, from eating. You understand what I mean? You gave me something to eat. Why do I want to know how many calories is inside it? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going against some people's... Um... <laughs> I'm so sorry, please. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hey! What have I said? Please forgive me. I, I, I repent, please. Forgive me. I, I didn't mean what I said, please. I didn't mean that. Lest I offend some... 
Say flow. You flow into life, man. You don't. If you are not flowing, life will not will not come. You just you just if you cal- you calculate into one dry place, only you is there just sweating and so. But that's not the way the spirit is. You flow into the kingdom. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not saying that you should be a gluten and eat everything. Amen. That's not what I'm trying to say. You understand what I mean? <laughs> when, if you are flowing and you are eating too much, after a while, the Holy Ghost will say, well, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> The only God will say, please, can you flow it to something else? <laughs> can you flow into water now and drink water and then? Can you flow away from the table? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Glory. That's a, when they are making you spiritual, they are untying you. To the dictates. Corruption should not dictate your life for you. Things that are created should come under your feet. You become a master of them. You become a user of them. You praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We are believers, right? Yes, sir. We are believers. It's is whosoever believeth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him is the cause of believing. Every step is a believing. Yeah. Every step, you must believe and believe and believe and believe until you get to a point where you no longer perish, but you have what? Everlasting life. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. I want to assure you that the things that might seem blurry to you, believe them. One day, you, it will be as clearer to you than anything you've ever known before. Praise God. For, so he says that, um, um, so I'll just explain the concept of death, right? That death doesn't mean there's no life for him. Death just means in his sight. Right? We read that Hosea. Quickly, back to Hosea, very quickly. Say, come, let us return to the Lord, right? As, for he has torn and he will heal us. He has smitten. See, this tearing, smiting, all of those things are, are the things that Christ will do, right, to your soul. Glory to Jesus. And when Christ has torn you, he has smitten you, right, it's all, all this kind of, chast- it's a kind of chastisement also, right, which you go through in Christ. Then he now says, after two days, he will then revive us. So you see this reviving is from a death point, but it doesn't mean nothing has been done in your life. He's just talking about with reference to his own sight. There's what he called the sight of God, in the sight of God. Or you can call it before him. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 calls it. Here he says, he has smitten, he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will do what? Raise us up. And we shall do what? Live where? In his sight. 
you live where? In his side. Then shall we know. That is, what was verse 3? Glory to Jesus. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord who's going forth is prepared as the morning. It shall then come to us as the rain, as the latter, and then on the former rain. So this is talking about the season of the Father. When he, how he raises up the dead, in his, those who are dead in his sight, and what he quickens them. But to become dead in his sight, to be in his sight at all, he must have become spiritual. Right? Ephesians chapter 1, um, verse, chapter 1, who has chosen us in him, that we should be holy and then without blame, according as he has chosen us in him, Ephesians 1 verse 4, before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy and then without blame, where before him in love. So there's a, when you appear before him, where in love. Everything about the realm of the Father is the realm of love. I've explained that to you before. Praise God. There is when, there's a point where the soul will just appear one day before him in love. Right? He will just appear before him. He will just he will see you. Wow, you've come. Welcome. 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 Well, you've done well. But for you to get there, you must have first been holy. Then you will do holiness until you are without blame. That's the job of Christ. Right? A perfect man is a man who pursued the cause of holiness till he became blameless as a man first. When he became blameless, who is blameless? A perfect man. A perfect man. According to Ephesians chapter 4, is someone who has become done holiness till he became without blame. A man who is without blame. If you are without blame, you can you appear before him. In where? In love. This love clearly is conditional. If it's not conditional, they will not say that we should be. That we should be. Before you arriving here, you did not have this love. You were not in this love. There is this love, which is the zone of the love of the Father, where people who have been sanctified to become blameless, right? They appear in that zone of what? Of love of the Father. Amen. Quickly to John chapter 5. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, let's see. Verse let's see verse 22. For, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed what? All judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which has sent him. So you can see why the Father, why they would speak about, Jesus was speaking about himself. He wasn't claiming things that he is not. He's just explaining to you his status, a place which he has arrived at with his father. He's just telling you effectively when it comes to dealing with men, right? When it comes to dealing with men, I have, the, the father raised his own son and he, he didn't just raise him, he committed all judgment unto him. When it comes to dealing with men, right? Because as the father raised up the dead and what quickened them, even so the son does what? 
quickened whom he will. It's clear. This son is the father. That's what he's explaining. Effectively, everything that you look to the father for, you can look to the son for. Because the son actually is effectively the father. Now, do you know you will become a father one day? Say, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You see that. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto what? Life. Who is passed from death to life? He that heareth my word and then what? Believeth on him that sent me. If you hear my word, because my word will then cause you to have a belief on him. This believing on is not the same as I believe in something. It's, it's talking about, it's a, this belief is a kind of a, is a cause. A belief is actually, believing is, an, is, a, is, a, is actually their dealings of faith. When he speaks of believing, they are dealings of faith. And praise Jesus. And this faith is a faith that is done with, within a, in a certain land or a certain vicinity. Right? This is a faith of, that is executed in his sight. It's in his sight. That is why... It is a believing on him that sent me. Do you get that? It's a believing where on him. When you, when you hear believe it on, believe it on. They're just telling you which land is that work of faith being done in. That's one way to understand believe it on. Either believe it on him. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not just I have faith in him. He's talking about when you talk of believing, he's talking about a work of faith. You can summarize believing in these terms, as a walk of faith. But they are now saying, who you are believing on is telling you in what ground is that walk of faith being done. This is a concept in the spirit. Someone who is walking in the outside the camp is not on the same pedigree, even though they are walking by faith. It's not on the same pedigree of someone who is walking in the courts. Neither is it some, the same pedigree of Walking in the what? Holy place. Neither is it the same thing as walking in the most holy. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Yes, so how do I, what's the difference? Simple. Walking outside the camp, no matter how much you walk outside the camp, as long as your walk is outside the camp, it can never get you into the sanctuary. Do you get what I'm saying? You, the best walking outside the camp can do is to get you into the courts. Meaning that with every walk, you will walk and walk and walk until they will change your ground. That's one of the, 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 the purpose of walking in the spirit is for the change of ground. Because there are grounds of a walking in the spirit. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That, and how do you know that you are walking in a certain ground? The, the commandment of walking will be according to that terrain which you are walking in. Do you see that? Yes, it's for commandment. You walk according to commandment. 
And every commandment that's coming to you is to produce a kind of graduation in the spirit. Right? What is graduation? Graduation just means proximity. The, 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 the work or the goal of faith is to bring you closer. Do you agree with me? It's to bring you closer. When you walk by faith, after some time, you find that you've gotten closer to God. Hey! Right? Faith is powerful. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you can't walk by faith without measuring some distance closer to God. It's to bring you closer. Even a baby walking by faith is coming closer. It's stumbling closer. There's something about baby faith that will bring you closer. To, the purpose of faith is for coming. Yes, sir. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a word rewarder of them that do what diligently seek him. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For him that cometh to God must believe that he is. The faith is an instrument of coming. Is how you come. Say, oh, God, I want to get close to him. Then you just check for your level where you are. Find the faith that can move you to the next level. Simple. All right? <laughs> just find the faith that will what move you to the next level. Right? Everything about faith in the spirit is to move your soul. When you say, you say, I won't believe. Then you say, you're saying, I won't move. When you say, God, come to where I am now. Show yourself to me today. God will say, we don't do it like that. If I come there, you will disappear. And they will never ever find you again. I'm a consuming fire. People don't just come to me. Neither do I just come to people just like that. You understand what I mean? So, if you're saying, God, come now. Don't pray that prayer. Be afraid of it. Don't even, you know. Like, they will give you an example of places I came to. For example, Sodom. One day I just came to Sodom. Because the things they were doing were crying to me. Where are you? Come. We don't believe you are here. You know, that's when, when you begin to do things against nature, all this homosexuality, all these things that you're doing, they say, no, you're you asking God, God, they say you made them male and female. Oh, me, I don't. That you're male and female something, that's, that's your own business. I don't even believe you. Do you even exist? Then when you are, when you are doing like that, you are calling him. And there's a call that after some point, God can refuse some kind of call. Sometimes there are some sin that nature will commit. The nature is crying to be burnt up, to be consumed by God. After a while, you will call, like Sodom kept calling God, calling God. God, come. God, come. The one day God just started falling on them. <laughs> raining. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? For God is a consuming fire. So that's why God wants to, he wants you to come to him. But where you want, there are many things, there are many changes your soul must undergo before one day. It's clear before you have gotten to God, they would have changed your nature. They would make you a stone first. Then they will, not, they will now make you a burning stone. A burning stone is a stone that has fire in itself. Like it's a, that's a coal, you see that? A coal is like a, on the altar, that golden altar before the veil. A coal is different from, a coal has, a coal breathes fire. It has a breath that is fairy. 
It, can, it, is, it is red in itself. When you see a coal, you won't see fire around it. The fire is inside the coal. Then the only such nature can enter into the presence of God. That, that nature of a burning coal is a sign of, of holiness. Right? It's a sign of without blame. You get what I'm trying to say? Then when, if you come like that, you now jam another fire in there. Now, what is, the, what is the mean of God being a consuming fire? It just means that he's a, he's a fire that doesn't leave anything. It takes all, right? I say it has been consumed. It means all has gone. You understand what I mean? All has what? All gone. You've just, imagine yourself going into God. Just going into God. Then one day you will say that God has consumed him. God has consumed her. You understand what I mean? When now God consuming you is not a bad thing, no. In the sense, in fact, you are supposed to. It's supposed to walk on you to a place where you can be consumed by God. That matter was that this is the commandment that you love the Lord thy God with all. That all is let, let him consume thy heart. Let him consume thy soul. Let him consume thy mind. When you are foolish, this thing, this is the great commandment. This is what all God commands every man to be. I want to consume you. I want to consume you. In him, I live and move. My being. Thank you. Let me ask the Ephraim Ehelvenos, Fratano, Frahatanos, Ephrahatanos, 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 Alicia Huna. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just hear that interpretation quickly? Amen. Kalipa Tefania, Paha Tefi, Fafali Kalama Hartali, Paha Tafalia Maniko Sapania, Fafanaita, Falakaita, Falamananata, Pania Suprete Lemanata, Precatania, Fafalia Posa Prate Leganaita, O Frahata, Felamahata, Felecatamahata, Fetanahata, Efrete Limoco Sapania Hata, Elamahata, Fretanosum. Will have to do all and keep 
all of my commandments. For what will make me to come is that I will see all of me in you. I will see all of me, all of me, and that is how I consume. For I can't consume anything that has nothing of me. For lipretelica, soleprata, folica, felamita, elecrostopata. For this is the calling of man to come into all of me. This is what it means to be likeness, to come to likeness, to come to likeness. For it is all of me, all of me, and this is what it takes. For to come to glory, it takes all, all, all of me and none of nothing else. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, 25, verily, verily, I say unto you that the hour is coming and now is. Praise God. John um, 5, 25. The hour is coming and now, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. You see that? And they that hear shall what shall live. For as the Father had life in himself, so as had he given the Son to have what? Life in himself, and had given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is what? He is the Son of Man. Praise God. As the Father had life in himself, so has he given the Son to do what? To have life, so as he has life in himself, so so there is a way he has life in himself, right? That's the way he, he the same way he gave it unto the Son to have what life in himself, and has also given him the authority to execute what judgment. That judgment is is judgment for life. Do you know that? that you actually give life by judgment, right? Judgment is the way to give life. You, you see the same thing, verse 22. They are tying it together, verse 22, verse 21 and 22. For as the Father raised up the dead and quickened them, even so the Son quickened whom he wills. For the Father judged no man, but had done what commitment, committed all judgment unto who? All judgment unto the Son. So the Father's love is a love of judgment. Do you see that? Judgment, not, judgment doesn't mean um, punishment. Right? When we hear judgment, we think punishment. Ah, even in the law, naturally, judgment is not punishment. Before you punish someone, you must judge them first. Judgment doesn't mean sending you to prison. Do you get what I'm saying? If someone will go to prison, it's because they failed in the judgment. It's because of judgment. Right? That's why someone can go. But punishment is not judgment. So when you see judgment, our fallen mind can just think of judgment as God is judging you. God, no. When they say judgment is given to the Son, it's not the way. Judgment just means... Judgment means the establishment of truth. Does you see that too? That's the reason for a court. The reason for a court is to establish the truth. It's to remove any blurriness from the truth. Right? And it's clear that you can't life cannot emerge without judgment. 
because life will not emerge except truth has been established. It is truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? No man cometh to the Father but, but by the way that I am, the truth that I am, and the life that I, that I am. Do you see that? So when they say that the Father committed all judgment to him, all they're telling you is that the Father has made him the, the standard of truth. The, that, that when you want to think about raising men, we can never raise men arbitrarily like that. When it comes to me, myself personally as God, doing a raising work, I've done it already. In that sense, the work is actually finished. I raised somebody. And that person is the epitome, the standard of truth. If anybody else will ever be raised, they must be raised in reference to this work that I have done. I've finished my work in my son. That work is the standard of judgment. That's what it means. He has committed all judgment to the son. And nobody should kid themselves. When, that, when they want to judge you at the end, it's very simple. They will just be comparing you and Jesus. It's very simple. If, and so people don't like this kind of message. They feel, oh no, Jesus is holy. You know, we, can, no, we are all sinners. Don't worry. When that day when we stand before God, God will say, I have no other thing to judge you by. I will just compare all men but to one man. If you fall short of that man, you understand what I mean? Then you can't come into the estate that that man has purchased. That estate is called a place. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be. That where I am means the place that is fit for me, where my frame fits in. If to, in order for you to fit into where the place that has been prepared for my frame, we must also carve you according to my own frame and according to my own person so we can stay in the same place. Are you seeing that? So, so when you say the concept of judgment, judgment just means trying to, is to remove variance to the truth. Right, anything that varies from the truth, you can have it there. But once judgment arrives, you begin to see the ver- every variance to the truth begin to arrive to become manifest. Are you seeing that? Now, one, there's something about the life of God in the spirit that God's life has a certain integrity to it that it will never emerge when there is variance. Right, they call it variableness. And then there's now called shadow of turning. Those are measures of, um, of deviation from the truth. Do you see that? He said that every good gift, James chapter 1 verse 17, and every perfect gift is from above. They, when you say good and perfect, these are standard of quality measurement in God, in the sight of God. This good here clearly is what God calls good. Then God, there's a way, something God calls good, and God will say, this one is good, but it's not really perfect yet. There's also a standard of perfection. So there is truth that is good, but has not yet been perfected. Right? Because truth is in blocks, in the spirit. 
There's a way you build truth. It's still it's good, but it's not been perfected yet. Do you see that? But every good gift, like every one of them, now it means that it's clear that every good gift is a truth. Right? And every perfect gift is, when it becomes perfect, it's talking about exactness. It's actually the, the fullness of the building of truth in the spirit, which Jesus is. Glory to God. That every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. And it cometh down from who? From the Father of lights. The Father, it cometh down from the Father of light. You see, with this Father of light, there is no variableness. So then there are neither was shadow of turning. So variableness is what makes something good is it, it does not vary. So something that has no variableness is a good gift. Right? Then something that does not turn is now perfect. Something can be without variableness but can still turn. Now, if it doesn't vary, it means it's truth. Truth means that which does not vary. Right? Glory to God. The way Balaam, who had the vision of the Almighty, described him is, is God who cannot, it's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent of his word, words. Those are, those are two, Balaam was a, was, a, was, a, was a prophet, glory to Jesus. He is someone who has a sight of God in his own order. So, and then this, from his, his education concerning God, is actually describing the nature of God in this verse. Numbers 23, verse 19. He's saying that God is not a man. So when he's saying, when he's saying God is not a man, he's telling you that anything that falls below this description is a man. Do you see that? He doesn't, if, this is what makes God actually God. That the, word, the word God here means divine in nature, as opposed to man in nature. There's man in nature, there's divine. What, what makes a nature divine is that it does not lie. Right? So let God be true and every man be a liar. Every man. As long as you are a man, you're a liar. Do you understand me? Lying in this, it doesn't mean ah, <laughs> I took it, but you say I didn't take it, but you actually took it. That one is, that is, there's a difference between telling a lie and being a lie. Right? This, we're not talking about telling lies. We're talking about someone can tell lie. Someone might not tell lie, but their nature is a lie. They are a liar. That one is a, is a lying nature. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The concept of lies is very glory to God. So it's very clear that lie just means not truth. Not of the, not of the truth. If it doesn't have the property of truth, then it's a lie. 
Do you get what I'm saying? These are Bible terms. You must understand these things, otherwise you won't understand the Bible. He said, let God betray every man a liar. It's written down. I said, praise God. Let's go back quickly to Balaam. Um, glory to Jesus. Um, he said that um, God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the what? The son of man. Amen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Do you see that? Lying, right, and repenting are two different things. Lie means variableness. Repenting means turning. Do you see that? So these are the two things that make God, God. These are the properties of divine nature. Divine nature is a nature that has this, these are the ladders of the divine, the, the cadres of divine nature according to their quality. One is good, the other one is perfect. So a, a, a nature divine that is good is a nature that no longer has variableness. If it no longer has variableness, when you check it, everything about it is, is framed by truth. Truth framed is what makes you not a liar, right? Actually, truth frame is what makes you divine. Pure truth frame. Pure truth frame. Pure truth frame is what makes you what? A, it makes you divine. You are framed according to truth. You don't, and these things I'm saying, it will, have, it will happen to you. Just, to, you, you get to a point where you, your nature no longer calculates wrongly Amen. outside truth. Amen. How you tell someone has got into this place is that any, you can't sneak vanity around them. They will detect it because of the, the truth nature, nature that does not lie, it doesn't tilt. It's true. It's a true north nature. It doesn't, it doesn't vary. No variableness. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You can't convince this kind of person to live for corruptible things. Why? Because he would just test it. He just needs to ask that corruption some questions. He can't answer. Then you say you are not a thing. Right? That is... He doesn't have the mind. You, the way he calculates is according to truth. If you can't, if you can't, if you if you query a thing, and it can't give you some response, you know that this thing does not have truth in it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It can't. It's not truth. If how do you know something is, there has no truth in it? It doesn't have lasting properties. If it doesn't have lasting properties, it varies. When you come, what it is now, come later, it will not be the same thing. Do you get what I'm saying? There's nothing in this world as a sure banker, as it is, so it will be, there's nothing here. The closest is maybe the sun, because it goes up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And the sun, in a way, is everlasting in a kind of sense, according to the order of the first creature. It's a type of an everlasting thing. It's, a, it's actually a type of truth. It's a type. So it's, not, it's not the real kind of truth we are talking about. It's just a metaphorical truth. 
to describe. The, the son is a descriptor of, of truth in God. Praise Jesus. You understand that? So by my description, it's very clear to you that there's nothing that has these properties in this world. Is there anything you can tell me that, has, that is like this? Just lift up your hand. Tell me, call one thing for me that you have or you know someone who has. Or, tell me anything that has been promised to you in this life as an attainment. That, uh, tell me one thing that you are looking for in this life that does not vary. That you are sure of as it is so it will ever be. Do you understand what I mean? Even the entire physical world, when the face of God appears, it will go, the Bible tells us it will run away like a garment. Imagine the earth running away from God and the heaven. That's how you know that it's not really, really, really everlasting. It can run. It can move away. When, when the face of, of God appears, you understand? It's like a garment. He will fold it up like a vesture. You understand what I mean? But thou remainest speaking about him. You now see what did the angels see in him? They just started worshiping. You know, they can, angels can explain nature. They, they look at this one cannot turn. He can't turn. Even Michael knows that the conditions under which he can turn. Because Lucifer turned. They've seen it. They've learned all the lessons. They've, they've learned everything about turning all those things. They saw that. But when they saw Jesus, that one, is a different kind of being. Amen. Scepter of thy kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. For thou lovest righteousness. Thou hatedst, hated iniquity. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Amen. You know what oil of gladness is? The oil of gladness is the energy of gyration in the realm of truth. Do you understand what I mean by that language? The energy of what? This what is the energy of gladness that produces rejoicing in the truth. That is rejoicing in the truth. It means that it's when a soul gets to a point where he no longer dances for things that are corruptible. That if you bring the soul to someone who doesn't have this property, bring a corruptible thing with them, to them, to excite their soul. They will throw some assault and be happy and lose their mind. But bring someone who has who's framed according to truth, by truth, bring something corruptible to that person. They will look at it here. They will, just, they will see what they can use it for. But there's nothing in it that has any tiny excitement to excite the inward frame of that person. Because it's, it doesn't have pulling potential. It doesn't have capacity to, to bring one tiny satisfaction to the, to the inward of the person. You understand what I mean? Uh -huh. Glory to God. Why? Because that's so truth. If a truth-framed soul has been anointed to only rejoice in the truth. A, a, a sign that the soul has been framed by truth is that their only joy is in the presence of the Lord. That's where their joy becomes full. And then his right hand are what pleasures forevermore. You can't find anything outside that cater or that realm to become a joy to a soul that has been framed. Because when you bring something like that, it person knows this thing is actually a lie. It's a lie. Because after some time, it will vary. 
Now, can they raise your, your thought to have that standard of judging things? Do you understand what I mean? Can they raise you? That's how you know you begin to appear in his sight. When they can begin to raise you that in your standard of judgment, this is good, that is bad, is based on a lasting capability and tendency of, of variableness and shadow of turning. Can you live from that kind of judgment standard? It's clear, this is how Jesus, that's how you wonder, why they couldn't deal with Jesus because he was so strange. When they bring something that's so nice, Jesus condemns it. Right? You just say, this is nothing. You don't know anything. The, the Pharisees brought their righteousness. They were telling Jesus about things that Moses gave them. Right? He said, no, Moses gave you because of your weakness. But really, if you really interpret, when he was able to interpret God, he told them, look, God actually hates divorce. It takes a mind that, to, it takes a mind of truth. It means that when you say God, it mean that God hates divorce. God hates changing your mind. You get, it means that in all their Jewish righteousness, they couldn't figure out that God doesn't like you go to the altar till death do us part. Then later you come back again and say that death has not come to do us part. Can you do us apart by another method? That, it means that God just was telling them that like the fact that your mind can't perceive, you are resting on the law that Moses gave you to go and divorce your wife. But you are so dull, you can't realize that God hates this thing. You are not quick. You can't perceive. Do you get what I'm trying to say? God actually hates it. Right? The Pharisees, they boast in their pain of tight and all that. But he said, you have paid. Tight is nice. I'm not against tight. But you've, there's something called weightier matters of the law. You don't even know what those things are. You need some kind of judgment. Judgment standard. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's why it seems as if Jesus was defying things. He would do miracle on the Sabbath. He would do it because he's using a different scale of judgment to think. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So one unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters. And that was what they call weighty matters, which are judgment. Means your judgment is not correct. Now, one thing that a a a mind that has that is not framed by truth can never understand is mercy. You see judgment, and you see you see faith. Faith seems simple, but they don't know faith at all. Do you get? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. You get what I'm saying? To, to, faith is that which capacitates you to interact in the realm where unchanging things are kept, the invisible. Faith is a, is a commodity that pushes you beyond the corruptible. It makes you see beyond the what, immediate and the physical. And Jesus said, as you see in all these things, say these things you ought to have done are not to leave the other undone. It means that you should be, if you are okay, you should be able to do all these things and fulfill them. Glory to Jesus. Are you seeing that? So sorry, quickly, Balaam describing God. He said, God cannot lie, right? And that is the son of man that, that he would repent. He should repent. So when you come into the presence of God, his commandment 
will begin to train you in that this nature of being good. And someone who is good is like I said, someone who what has no variableness. It doesn't vary. Right. Now, you can have something that has gotten to a point where it, it does not vary. Means when you check it, you wait. This is this is the correct thing. This is the this is the original. The, this is the original. You wait. It does not vary in its current state. Right? So that variableness means it has arrived at a state where it's not varying. It's the original. But that or if that original can still turn, it's not perfect according to God's mind. Are you seeing the difference between varying and not turning? Varying means when you say you don't vary, it means in your nature, in your substance, you don't vary. That is, you are made with the original stuff, which is called truth. It means there is no adulteration. Like when they check your materials, they will count all your materials. 100% is the right stuff. There is no variableness in your material. You don't, it means everything about you is framed by truth. You are, there's nothing below truth in your frame, in your nature. Do you get what I'm saying? Like when they raised Adam was a type of a truth creature. Do you know that God did not raise Adam with anything less than truth? Of a, of a kind is the truth of the first man. Right? Truth according to what? According to the original block and standard which God says man initially should be. But it's clear Adam could repent. Or Adam could turn. So he was a living soul, but he could turn. That means that Adam was good but he was imperfect. So the beginning of man is a good state. That's the point I just want to make to you tonight. What God calls the beginning, that's where God starts from. Right? You see that? That's the first thing. God starts from good. Just becoming good. Anything that's not good will not, cannot enter his hand. He must fa- look, look for something to make you good. When you become good, then God starts. God makes good perfect. That's actually the work of God. Do you see that? Amen. So every, every good gift, every perfect gift coming down from the Father of, they call him the Father of light. What, is the, what are these lights here? Light means he's the father of judgment, right? Judgment is, is brought about by lights. What kind of lights does God father? He fathers truth lights. Truth light is a light that makes truth manifest. The light that can make truth, that discerns truth. You can bring a soul. Is there any truth here? How would they know? The most, a light that comes from the Father must, enter, must come into your heart and illuminate your heart. When your heart has been illuminated by a light from the Father, you begin to see, oh, that is truth. That's not truth. 
Why is it not truth? The light will begin to explain to you. Things that are truth have this quality, have this characteristic. They are this way and they are that. Ah, okay, okay. When the soul begins that dealing, it means that you have, you have come under the school, the training of the father of lights. Right? What did he say? That this is the message that we have what? Heard of him. That God is light. And then in him is what, is what? No darkness at all. God is light. And in him is what? No darkness. Are you seeing this light that God is? It's truth light. Do you see that? What is this light? God. When you say you caught God, it's made of light. He's a father of lights. Right? Every light in God is truth or judgment of some sort. God is light. Then you say, when you say, in, but in him is no darkness at all. It's another aspect of God. I mean that he's not just good. He's also what? Perfect. Right? You see this light that he is, the father of lights, father of good lights and perfect light. The father of lights, that every good gift and every perfect gift coming down from above, from the father of good and perfect lights. You see that? So when he says God is light, it means that God is what? Good. Then when you now say in him is no darkness at all. It means he has no shadow of turning. No shadow means no darkness at all. He, he has no turning in him. No shadow of turning. It's called, the, the, the turning is, is according to shadow. Shadow means space to turn. A shadow is a space where light doesn't shine. Do you get that? Every, every space where light does not shine is an opportunity to turn. Do you get If there is a space where light doesn't shine, it means you have a space to turn. But what makes God perfect is that he doesn't, there is no shadow of turning. Means he can, that's why he's not, not the son of man that he should repent. God has no, when God is dealing with, he doesn't have space to repent. You get to what I'm trying to say? Now, until, you, until a soul gets to this place, you've not overcome the devil. If you still have spirit of turning, you don't discover that Satan doesn't fear truth alone. Right? It's clear that Adam had shadow of turning. Satan could see the shadow and went to stay in that point. Say so from this shadow, since you let there's still space, we can still lead man away from this shadow of turning. Glory to God. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So what the Father wants to make you, you can never think of what God wants to make you into. That's why this message might sound a bit, you know, Daddy has been teaching this thing since and all that. Amen. But the Lord is now saying, okay, it's time for us to now begin to deal and interact with this truth and carry them. It's like they want to impregnate you with another hope. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a different kind of hope entirely. <laughs> right? Then the thoughts that God has for you, you can't think them for yourself. Yeah. If I stop you and say, please tell me in your imagination 
I know you want to be a good person, you say yes. Tell me how good can you become? These things will not occur to you in terms of the reality of what God thinks. That's why he said that eyes have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any man. Those are not, they are not figures of speech. They are actually true that eyes actually have not seen nor ear heard. And neither does it randomly enter any man's heart. When you try to think, okay, what's the best I can be? What's the best? You will not ever think of anything. What the things which God has prepared for them that love him, that, those preparation is the reward of them that seek him. That what God will remind, wants to reward man with are things that they will not occur to you. It will never occur to you you can be like this. You will not be able to relate with it. It will be far. It's a message. That's what they were saying. This, this is the message that we have heard of him. That message is not, it's a foreign message to men. It's a strange message that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And then he, is not just light, he's also a father of light. And from his light, gifts descend. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So that is why I don't, so what I'm trying to tell you, can you push your faith beyond what your eye can see, what your ear has heard, and the kind of thoughts that naturally flow in your heart, right? Because eye has not seen or ear heard, and has he entered into the heart of any man, the things which God has prepared, has prepared, has prepared for them that love him. But he said he has, but he has revealed them unto us by his spirit, because the spirit searcheth all things. Yeah, what the the deep so it is these deep things of God are what are in God's depths do you see that they are in and these are men who enter God's depth it will be playful it will be like this we'll just be talking about oh really 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 but yeah uh, the spirit of God will be searching them out then after a while he will have he will bring seasons of administration of the things that have been searched out when those seasons of administration comes, it will be seasons of judgment. One way, your, your standard will just be changing. Things you accept, you no longer accept them anymore. You understand what I mean? You say, no, the standard is just, it's just higher. You just begin to have a higher standard concerning everything in your life. In your life. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, the deep things of God. God wants to open up his depths. The Father wants to open up his depths, open up his arms wide. Glory to Jesus. That prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, said that you might know what is the height, what is the length, what is the breadth, what is the depth, to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. And after that, that you might be filled, you might be filled with all the what? Fullness. You know, being filled with all the fullness of God is the emptying of God's depths into you, right? They will first of all create the dimensions. They will create the space, the Holy Spirit. You know, that, to know the height, the depth, all of those things, is, they will begin to, where, you're, where the limit of your soul is, they begin to poke it and begin to push it. There are things beyond this place, man. There are things after this point. I'm a good guy. There are things beyond good guy. I'm nice. There are things beyond being nice. There are actually standards of truth. That your soul, your soul can be alive. You say, no, how can, how can I live with this standard? They say, yes, yes. You actually made, you are made. 
There's actually dimensions within your soul that can take God, take God on your inside. You must believe it. Glory to God. Glory to, have I preached to you today? Have I, do you, can you believe what I'm trying to say to you? Glory to Jesus. What a hope. What a blessed hope. What a blessed hope. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus. Lord, you will appear to our soul. You appear to our heart. Lord Jesus, you are the pattern. You are judgment. The Father has raised you and has committed all judgment to you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, expose our heart to your judgment. Expose our soul to your judgment. Open it up, Lord. Open, I pray, that, like, yes, you speak this thing, but you don't just speak words alone. You are able to cause the spirit behind them to become active, to become activated. Father, we thank you because the spirit of this world will begin to bless. Let no one, Lord, live without a measure of the Holy Ghost, without a measure of the spirit to go with you, to follow yeah? the spirit which is the searcher, even of the depths of God, to open up these things even unto you. As many of you who have, who have been crying in pangs, in pain, even for the formation of Christ, he said, my little children, for whom I travail in birth, unto Christ be formed. I say, begin to receive your formation. Yeah. Begin to receive that. Let, let the spirit of formation come upon you. Let it rest upon your heart. Let it rest upon your soul. The spirit will form you, to raise you, even spiritual, to present you even at a point of peace with God, where you begin to appear in his sight, even as his child, as a child in his hand, to make you fruitful, to make you productive, to make your heart a soil, a land where the father can plant his seed, where he can do his husbandry, even to bring forth his life. So shall it be unto you. In the name of Jesus, I address and I break the strength, the power of doubt. Anything that will rise up in our hearts to doubt that which has been said, which the Lord has said, that which the Lord has promised to us, I pray that such spirits will be broken. In the name of Jesus, the grace, the grace, the grace to quickly, to quickly receive and to believe. See, as many as believed on him, as many as believed on him, he should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, our Father. We receive strength to believe, grace to believe. Thank you, our God. We give all the praise. Just begin to bless the Lord. Just lift up your voice. Severanaste, Elvrata, Elvrantos, Aliria, Ferenos, Evranto, Samarena. I want you to connect your heart with this message. Say, Lord, I want Amanehestia, Anevrenstia, Elevrahatas. Elevra Entosa, Livra Atias, Elembrantosia, Enge Tashto, Lambre, Tigeve, Levregos, Evrenos, Adibrata, Leverenestovi, Evrenta, Avelenos, Avranat, Abrande, Elmenos, Albrahen, Elmerena Cotta, Elmerena Cotta, Elmerena Cotta, Evra Lemena Cotta, Evra Halmena Cotta, Ovren Sayahano. Oh, Richter, oh, 
Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The Lord is saying that there are some of us who have had a challenge in, in love. I mean, just obeying maybe instructions of love. Love, instructions, commandment. And this will be a kind of thing that wants to stretch you. The Lord has maybe shown you something you believe. You've seen it. The Lord will say, okay, this is the next step in terms of where your heart needs to flow into a kind of commandment. The Lord is saying that, that you need to obey because that is a challenge for your soul. And you need to take up, take up the challenge. Take up the challenge. Take, don't be weak. Don't be weary. For there, this is a pattern. This is the pattern of your change. Lord is saying that even that which seems so difficult for you will very soon be, become your very, your very habit. Amen. That your very habit, your call, for yeah, that for want to to birth you and bring you into into the love world, a place where where you love by instinct, you love instinctively. Right? and the Lord is saying that this is take the steps. Take, hey, I'm the one that's, I'm the one speaking to you. This is not just your mind bringing those things up. Yeah, do those things for you. Behind those commandments, yeah, there is a great blessing, even a great inheritance, even access for you. What I brought to you are actually doorway, access, access into a greater estate in the spirit, which you only come into even by obedience, by obeying that which I've revealed to you, that which I've spoken to you. So go ahead, do it. Do it. Don't, don't be defeated. Don't stay defeated. Come into your victory. Even that victory that overcome the world, even your fate, take up that victory. Stand in that victory. Walk in that victory. Let that victory take on the nature of he who is victorious. For here, fight your battles. Fight your war. Win your battle. For here, you are more than a conqueror. You are a victor. You are a victor. You are a victor. For here, I've given you grace. I've given you. You're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think for you. It's not even by your own strength. It's not by power of our mind, but here by my spirit. So just take it up. Take it up. Encourage. Encourage. Obey. 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 Obey my voice. Obey my voice. Obey my voice and I will help you. I will help you. Say the Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we bless your name. We receive grace. Jesus, thank you. Minister. Minister to every heart. Uh, you, are, you, you can teach your obedience. The way you obey, Lord, I ask that come and teach us and culture our soul. Lord, in this love way and in this love walk, thank you, our Lord. We bless your holy name. Father, we thank you for blessing us tonight. Lord, we receive from you. We receive from you. We receive from you. We receive the strength that comes from your table. The strength from the, your meat and from your drink. Strength in every heart. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.